Welcome to episode 16 of Amateur Bartending for Immature People. I'm Shannon. And I'm Greg. And this is the podcast where we're talking, thinking, making, and drinking some cocktails. Well, Shan, for this episode, uh, what are we going to feature? You know, I think we'll feature an alcohol we haven't featured yet, and that would be scotch. Ooh, scotch, scotch, scotch. I love scotch. There you go. Get that one out of your system. (laughs) That's a freebie right there. That's a free one there. (laughs) (laughs) So we haven't featured scotch. Um, Essentially, scotch is a whiskey that is made in Scotland. It's the other brown liquor. Yeah. Yeah. It has, um, I think... People have various introductions and various ways that they have mentally thinking of scotch. Okay. Um, I will say my first encounter with scotch wasn't maybe the best encounter, but then the more things I tried, the more I realized that everything's not, and I'm not a huge fan of peat. Like a peaty whiskey. um, So I found like, oh, they aren't all like that. They're all very different depending on what region they come from and, you know, how they're made and and so there's there's a wide range of this right um so they are originally whiskeys from scotland that are made with malted barley makes sense they have been um they're introduced and i think i found like 1495 oh wow it's somewhere in the 1400s probably the monks were making it or something like that i imagine that's exactly right um, I found this kind of fun little fact that the mm-hmm. first written, and I'm sure they made it before that, but the first right. written mention of Scotch was in Scotland in 1495, and a friar named John Corr was the distiller um, in Newburgh, Fife, hmm. where it had, in October of 2017, wa- the malt whiskey production restarted for the first time in 522 Oh my gosh, wow. In that town. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So there's uh, there's a ton of things to talk about for scotch, but I'm wondering if maybe we should start with a drink. Let's do it. Let's get the first one together and uh, put the recipe together, and then we'll have something to sip on while we go through the history here. Absolutely. So what are we going to need? What are we making first? I, th- um, I think we should make a Rob Roy. Ah, the Rob Roy, basically a scotch version of the Manhattan. Exactly. So this will probably be uh, stirred, so we're going to need all our stirring utensils and et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to get your mixing glass. I've got that. You're going to put some ice in it. All righty, I am going to. And we are going to be using a scotch for this. Now, the first scotch that, well, we're only going to use one scotch today, but the scotch that we're going to use today is Monkey Shoulder. And I think Monkey's Shoulder is a really good introductory scotch for somebody who's not used to sure. the scotches. It's really good. Um, it is uh, it's made out of blended malt. Um, about 90% of the whiskeys in Scotland generally are a blended malt whiskey. Oh, okay. And uh, this doesn't have really a peaty taste to it or anything. It's more of a whiskey taste. All right. Well, let me get some ice into the ice into the mixing glass here. Okay, so there we're ready with that. What are we going to start with here? We're going to do two ounces of our monkey shoulder scotch. Okay, I'm measuring two ounces into the mixing glass. Okay, good. Then we need to do a three... Three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth. So what, what sweet vermouth are you going to use today? This is the Antica formula. The classic. The classic. Everybody should, should probably have this. You should yeah. have this in your cupboard. Uh, three quarters of an ounce is in there. So, And then you're going to do three dashes of Angostura bitters. All righty. It's three so much dashes. like a Manhattan. It is a Manhattan it's, it's with basic. scotch instead of bourbon or rye. Exactly. So. It's the same same measurements, yeah. Then, um, okay, you want to go ahead and give that a stir. Okay, we're going to stir that up here. 
stir for about 30 seconds again. I'm going to grab either a martini glass or a coupe to put that in today. All right, here we'll pour. Look at that. It looks yeah. very Manhattan-y, doesn't yes. it? Kind of yeah. that brown. What are it's we going to garnish with? Uh, as a Manhattan, you're going to use a maraschino cherry for this one. All right, very good. We use those lovely, the Luxardos. lovely Luxardos. So, well, here, let's uh, cheers. Yeah, so here. we're gonna start. Here's our first cocktail. Um, give let's us a give little a something try. to drink while we're while we're chatting about scotch. Exactly. All let's right, try this let's thing. See what you think? It's a. Mm, that's really good. Give me your uh, tasting notes. Definitely, your uh, the scotch is gonna come different than a whiskey based uh, Manhattan or a rye based Manhattan. You you're definitely gonna get that peaty earthiness from the scotch it's gonna it's gonna lean at a full different taste some people even say like band-aids sometimes but this one's not so much monkey shoulders not so much leaning that way yeah monkey shoulder doesn't i i'm really sensitive to peat and i don't right th- this one's pretty approachable right now, this, is you a good, might, this is a good balance too and i would use something like this one for this cocktail right yeah. i wouldn't use like an overly peaty super peaty now yeah. um but when we talk about that, no, this is really, really good cocktail, really approachable. Definitely, definitely a boost forward one. Definitely has that taste, you know, of alcohol forward. But it's a, it, it's a great twist on a Manhattan. It's fantastic. So the monkey shoulder that we're using is a blended malt Scotch whiskey, mm-hmm. and that means a blend of two or more single malt Scotch whiskeys from different distilleries. So okay. they can get them from different places, and they put them all together and sell them. There's a a different kind of scotch is a blended grain scotch whiskey, okay. which means a blend of two or more single grain scotch whiskeys from different distilleries. Okay. And then the blended scotch whiskey means a blend of one or more single malt scotch whiskeys with one or more single grain scotch whiskeys. Oh, wow. Because there's lots of different rules. Yeah. So there's multiple definitions. There's a lot of regulation around it. Um, scotch, you cannot make it anywhere else. You, it is only made in Scotland. That makes sense. And they're pretty strict about their regulations and stuff too for, for that what area. What percentage of what is is, is going to be able to be called whatever. Yeah, they have like average grain, grains that are used, a certain yep. type of grain, where it's made. You know, they it, it's pretty in-depth. And it's to guarantee that when you're tasting something from a different manufacturer that claims to be the same stuff, it's going to taste somewhat the same. You know, they want to make sure. Not just anyone go, hey, this is scotch whiskey, blah. I would say if you're going to start out with scotch, I would go with the blended scotch whiskey, which should be pretty mm-hmm. easy to find, honestly, because like I said, it's about 90% of the whiskeys produced in Scotland. Um, they are containing both malt whiskey and grain whiskey. Right. So Now, I didn't remember there from the very beginning. Now, which which one is monkey shoulder? It is a... It's the blended malt scotch whiskey. Okay, so it's kind of a step up then. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It is really good. It's really good. It's a mild taste. It's good. And, the, you know, there's a couple of brands of different things, you know, that might float to the top, like Johnny Walker or, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's like some other, I don't know what's readily available everywhere in the U.S. because we do have the benefit of living in a place that has a lot of things available to us. Sure. But I think that that is a pretty common Pretty common kind of scotch. I think so get. too. So we have. Um, hold on, give me a second. So when you talk about peat, what does it remind you of? Like how how do you do you like the peat taste? Like tell me what your opinion is of it. I know some people are super in love with the right. Taste they of want peatiness. the more more peat, the more Irish whiskey peaty they can get. Is 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 the way they go. Um, t- 
to me. I mean, I think it comes across. It does have a little bit of a Band-Aid taste to it. I like it as, you know, if you have like a spray of it on top of a drink. Mm. I like that. Like a little Lafroy. Lafroy, yeah. Lafroy is a good, is a good, uh, is a good, you know, Scotch whiskey that is peaty. That, you know, I don't know if I would use Lafroy for this cocktail. I don't know if I would. I think it would be a little too much. But I think definitely for like a spritz on top. With ice or, you know, what? It's definitely, I'm not there yet as far as my palate is not as advanced as that yet. But I have, I've had it on the rocks before and it's, it's it's definitely challenging. People, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Like some people, I'm going to say, now I don't know if it's the same kind of marker, which I, I don't think it is. It's like people, some people love cilantro and other people just really don't. It tastes like soap to them. Right. Um, I have a feeling that, Pete is kind of it's similar all about your to taste that. Buds, yeah. yeah, it's a uh, you're you're either going to find something that you find extremely attractive in it, sure, and you might just become a huge fanatic of it, and that happens a lot. Exactly. Um, or it starts to kind of have a taste of, um, for the lack of better words, like band aids. Mm-hmm. Or we've mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, a lot of times too, I've had glass. You know, like a uh, like a. Uh, Drink like Sazerac, so they'll rinse the glass with absinthe. Well, I've mm-hmm. had drinks where they've rinsed the glass with like Laphroaig. And that's, you know, it kind of gives that definitely a smell. There's definitely a smell and a little bit of a taste too with each drink. And, and it, with the right drink, that's really nice. And that's kind of interesting. You know, it does add a little something to it. Absolutely. Or just a little float on top sometimes. Or just even a spray from a spritzer bottle, just a little pfft. Yeah, we have a top. couple of cocktails mm-hmm. I think that we have uh, where we actually have a little spritzer. Mm-hmm. I have um, some I have some monkey shoulder in a spritzer in the fridge right now. And these little spritzers, just in case you're curious, um, they're like little metal test tube size spray bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they have a cap on them. I think ours has a cap yeah. on it. And we use we have one that has scotch in it, and we also have one that has a uh, vermouth in it. Has it has a dry so vermouth in it when for we do martinis. Doing a martini, yeah. yeah so, so and they're a fun gift to give too. So that there's a hint, wink, wink, to the cocktail lover in your <laughs> in your uh, tribe that uh, you know a good uh, set of those little spritzers is is a great gift. So there's um, certain certain locations, and please dive into this or go to do a scotch tasting. Mm-hmm. But there's certain areas um, of Scotland that are more known for certain types of taste profiles, just like there would be, honestly, with like wine or. So the taste profiles can be peatier mm-hmm. depending on what region you're in, also. Sure. So I think if you could go and do kind of a vertical across of like the different regions of right. Scotland, you might end up finding like. Oh, I'm going to start to look for this particular region because I'm finding that sure. my taste is gravitating towards that place. Right. So, and and I feel we're getting there. But uh, let's talk a little bit about how I know you were telling me earlier before we started how that peat taste comes to be in in the Scotch. I know we were talking about that. Okay, so um, well, peat is com- so peat is commonly used to dry malted barley, and in Scotch production because. Peat is readily available. It's like a turf. Mm-hmm. It's readily available in the country. And so they found that if they dry it, it can be used as a fuel. It's like a brick, a brick of fuel, yeah. Exactly. But it does uh, have smoke and and some types sure, of chemicals that it, sure, come absolutely. off of it. And that's uh, the thing that actually flavors that barley, you know? Right. Um, but some brands of scotch don't use peated malt at all. So just keep that keep that in mind. I found a really interesting. So my friend and I were talking about 
you know, I was like, why do things taste so peaty? Like, how do they get this flavor? And why, why to me does it taste like band-aids, but to somebody else, it probably tastes completely different. It'd have to, honestly, but sure. So I found an article in popular science, which I was so impressed by. And it was talking about why, let's see, I'm going to give you the name of the article. It's called FYI, why does scotch smell like band-aids? Cool. I, you know, I think you were reading me a tiny bit of this article, weren't you? I was, because I was like, oh, I found it. So here we go. Science, everyone. Science. So it is science. science. I am going to try to pull out the little bits of information here. So one of Scotch's most recognizable flavors comes from a group of chemical compounds called phenols, which are a class of lightly acidic, naturally occurring, synthesized, but often synthesized compounds. Mm-hmm. They're also known as carbolic acids, and phenols are crystalline and white at room temperature but dissolve easily in water. Interesting. So a, cub, a subcategory of phenol is cresols, spe- specifically, God, talking, um, arthocresol, and it's responsible for the flavor in scotch that some would call medicinal. Really? Yeah. So cresols are very commonly used to dissolve other chemicals, which makes them useful in other things like disinfectants and deodorizer. Therefore, smelling and tasting like medicine or they said band-aids. <laughs> a little product called Lysol, for example. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's a naturally occurring... I wouldn't use a Lysol spritz on my cocktail. No, but they're nat... <laughs> and I, I'm sure there's a lot of other things in Lysol. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> no. But how do they naturally end up in scotch? Exactly. So, and, you know, I'm sure it's certain amounts of this is not going to harm you any more mm. than drinking enough of this would harm your liver. But Exactly. You're going to have other problems first <laughs> before you get hurt by the phenols. So, the, they're naturally present in peat and in partially decayed plant products consisting mostly of mosses. Interesting. Scotland is basically covered with it. With, with d- digesting moss. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because that's what the... That's, that's what the peat bogs the are, is, yeah. Right? And so... There is, um, all right, so it's a lot more useful than the phrase partially decayed plant product sounds. So if you sure. can compress it, you squeeze out the water, which then turns into an incredibly efficient source of fuel for fires. And since Scotland has tons of it and not very many trees, the country's namesake whiskey relies on a very particular smoky fire. Coming from the peat. <laughs> when we talk about peatiness, we're, they're talking about the phenol, phenol, phenolic phenolic levels mm-hmm. sorry trying to figure out how to say stuff this is not a talking this is not a pronunciation show that, that's our <laughs> other podcast pronunciation done badly pronunciation done badly <laughs> how to pronounce things terribly <laughs> so scotch is made from soaking barley in water for a couple of days okay which lets it malt or germinate for a little while before oh, it's dried okay which i never knew that i never knew that either then the drying part is when the phenols enter the pitcher, since it's traditionally malted barley that was dried with peat fires. Okay. Um, which is a pretty unusual way to dry malt. And that's why Scotch has a trademark bitterness and other similar whiskeys like bourbon and Irish whiskey do not. So Don't have we, that phenolic taste, yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about peatiness, we're really talking about phenolic levels. Hmm. And they're oh here, this is really helpful. They're highest in scotches from Islay. Um, like Lafroy, sure, um, which has about fifty parts per million, which of I don't know. In, in comparison, I'm guessing that's high. Sure, the phenols are absorbed into the barley during the smoking process and they're into the drying process. So mm-hmm. basically, they're smoked. Yep. Right. 
Um, are getting dried. And then it's fermented, distilled, and eventually it's turned into whiskey. There you are. a distinct phenolic tang. So you can also find creosols and other things like Sharpie markers, where that helps the Sharpie ink bleed properly onto all kinds of surfaces. Interesting. So it's like a naturally occurring thing, but it's used in a lot of different types of products. But guess uh, guess one of the products that it's commonly used in. Outside of Lysol and Sharpie markers? Uh-huh. Um, I'm just going to guess Band-Aids because it, it tastes like Band-Aids and smells like Band-Aids. That would be correct. It's used as an ingredient in antiseptics. And then also um, is commonly used in things like Band-Aids. So in case you're wondering, if you're getting that... I thought it was a great article. Again, that, that was great. from Popular Science. And it was... FYI, what does scotch smell like band-aids? Very cool. <laughs> that, that's, that's fun. That's right up our alley right there. So that's a, that's a pretty interesting... So you're not crazy. I guess, that's, I guess that's my whole point. Right. You're thinking it's band-aid-esque, and it is band-aid-esque. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. That's, that's some good, uh, good scotch facts. So have you, I have never been to a scotch tasting. No, neither um, have I. I'd be willing to try. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. There was a couple of hints I found about doing scotch tastings oh, and um, the different types of glasses that is normally served in and how to taste it. But also, um, do you know that a normal, like a, when you're doing a tasting, it's called a dram? A dram, yeah. A dram, sorry. Mm-hmm. The, um, the amount, yeah. And that's about a little over a half of an ounce. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I've even seen it described as like a large teaspoon. Sure, or and that's about like a that. half an ounce. Yeah, yeah. so... If you've over. heard of that, that's how much it is. It's not a huge amount. I'm sure that if you've it's tasted enough. a lot of it. <laughs> well, it's enough to get the taste of that, uh, you know, to be able to tell the difference between between them, I would, I would assume. Absolutely. Excuse me. That's pretty cool. So, um, scotch is best served in tulip-shaped glasses mm-hmm. in, instead of large tumblers. <laughs> Which, <laughs> that's insane tumbler. anyway. <laughs> when those uh, glasses are tulip-shaped, that tulip shape is generally meant to capture the aroma of sure. something. So you've also seen, like, they kind of use I've seen those, those for yeah. multiple things. Like I've seen those. Like, certain kinds of beer mm-hmm. would have that shape. Um, certain kinds of wine have that shape because it helps right. that, that nose. So um, they do say, though, a wine glass is a good substitute because, sure, because of that kind of yeah. cup shape so you can really get the smell. I said also, just as a little helpful hint, if you ever do a, a tasting in public, um, don't swirl. So you might be tempted to swirl your scotch like you do for right. wine, but don't. Um, swirling it releases the alcohol that can overwhelm the taste and the aroma of the scotch. Ah. So, you know, now you're going to be able to go and look like you've done it before. Because everybody else is going to be swirling away because they don't know what else to do with the little glass in their hand while they're thinking about what they just had. And you'll be like... Amateurs. Amateurs. They should really listen to that podcast. If they would only listen to the podcast, amateur (laughs) bartending for immature people, they would know not to swirl their scotch while they're standing there waiting. That's right. So now you can look like a pro. There you go. Uh, Scotch is also best served at room temperature. It's traditionally served with a side of spring water Mm -hmm. uh, or tap water if it's reasonable. So you can add a little bit of water to the scotch if you want to. There's benefits to that, and I think we've talked about that in previous things too. Um, when you add a little bit of water, it, help, it helps open up the flavor. I find it does. I of, find it does, yeah. Of, well, in this case, scotch, but of a whiskey mm-hmm. or, or a rye. 
So just a little bit of water does help that. I find it helps just about any alcohol that you have. If, if you've made a cocktail and it maybe doesn't taste the way you want, just put a, you know, just a small amount. I mean, maybe just, you know, half a half teaspoon. Half a teaspoon, yeah. And it really mix it up and it really changes the way it tastes. And there's science to that. There's um, science somewhere there's science. on that. There's science. We'll I investigate think we might that have for ta- you. I thought we might have talked about that before, but there is science to adding water. There's a reason. Um, so if you feel like doing it, just do it and don't mm-hmm. let anybody look at you weird because exactly. it's totally legit. So those are things that you can do to not look so much like an amateur, but um, at your scotch tasting, at your scotch tasting, uh, you might want to see if there's anybody in your town that's doing them or, you know, there's a lot of times you can find things like that around and exactly or go to Scotland or have your own at home. You know, I want to have my own. Uh, I think I might be ready for my next recipe. Excellent segue. <laughs> what do we have for the second recipe for uh, this show? Well, I think you might be excited by this. Mm. Uh, I know that this is one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. The blood and sand. It is one of my favorite drinks. This is a this is more of a, um, I would say, almost like a sour or mm-hmm. something. I would say it leans towards like a sour style. But with the scotch and the other ingredients, it really, it's, a, it's an interesting taste. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. It is good. Uh, you're in a shaker for this one. Yes, I remember. We're going to do some shaking on this. I'll get some ice in the shaker. Perfect. It is in there. I'm going to pull up my recipe here. All righty. So I've got all the stuff in front of me. I have a monkey shoulder scotch in front of me. Got your measuring device? I certainly have my measuring device. And then I believe we've got... Uh, you got the ingredients list Yeah, there? I do. You ready? Right. Okay, yeah, I'm ready here. So you have your scotch, and you're also going to pull out a sweet vermouth. Okay, again, I've got the uh, Antica formula here. Perfect. You're going to do, and we're also going to pull cherry herring out of the cupboard, and we're going to fresh squeeze an orange. Okay, so I've got the orange already ready to go. Excellent. The juice is here, and it's been uh, strained through our fine strainer to get all the parts out of it. Get the little husks out. I'm ready to tell you your quantities. I am raring to go. Okay. We're going to make this the simplest way. Okay. We're just going to do uh, straight across one ounce of everything. Okay. So we're going to get one ounce of the monkey shoulder scotch. Yep. And then we're going to do one ounce of the uh, cherry herring. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, you want to do your sweet vermouth. One ounce of the uh, Antica formula sweet vermouth Excellent. is in there. And then the orange juice... Alrighty, excellent. That, it is in there. All right. Okay, now you're gonna need to shake that, and while you do that, right. I had thrown some coops into the freezer. I'm gonna pull those out. I pull, I just put them in there, kind of a little bit before we make these, just so the glass is right. cold. So. And you want to shake, continue to shake that until you're busting up that ice in there and really getting that thing cold. But we don't need to subject you to that. Yeah. But shake that thing till it's cold. Your hands are sticking to the outside, or you got it wrapped in a towel. I'd fine, I'd fine strain this again yep, um, through the to get the strainer. ice chunks out exactly, yeah. and so also because you have some orange, fresh squeezed orange juice, and it does get a little pulpy, even if you had previously strained it. So, all right, exactly. So we'll strain it through the. Uh, okay, here's the glasses through the fine strainer. And while you do that, I'm gonna cut just a little piece of orange. Oh yeah! Oh yummy, yummy! That looks good. This one's a. This is a fave. Uh, Got like a little foam. No, I wouldn't really call it foam, but a, like a little nice bubbling to it to the surface because of what we shook it up. Uh-huh. Got it all kind of beat up, but it's a little hazy because it's got the orange juice in there, so a little bit different than the uh, Rob Roy. This one smells good to me too. And really a garnish like with a little this. piece of orange. Yep, on the we're side. gonna throw the little orange on there, and that's your only garnish for this one. Alrighty, let's try this. Okay, let's see. Cheers. Cheers. Like I said blend sand. Fun name, by the way. 
Oh, that's that's a good one. I really like those. And uh, fine-tuning your uh, amounts of cherry herring and sweet vermouth. And you can make that as sweet or as booze-forward as you want. Like if you back off on cherry herring a tiny, tiny bit, you can get that kind of uh, real, uh, or go with a peaty or a scotchy and really get that flavor to come through. But we've kind of got it done the kind of well-balanced, doing the one and one and one and it just comes out really well-balanced. Probably a little bit on the sweet side, but still really well-balanced. Good tasting, good tasting. Sometimes you'll see this made with blood orange juice, and that's delicious. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've done that And before. actually, I think it's one of the reasons it's called a blood and sand. So blood and sand, if you're truly making it, and if your blood oranges are in season, mm-hmm. which that makes a big difference. Um, this was named after a Rudolph Valentino's 1922 bullfighter movie. Really? Called Blood and Sand. The red juice of the blood orange in the drink helped to link it with the film. So Really? That's, what I said. that's kind of interesting. Oh, and I forgot to tell you about Rob Roy, too. Rob Roy has a namesake. You might guess what it is. Um, Person named Rob Roy. Yeah, well, the hero. The hero, Rob Roy. Yeah, hero in Scotland. Let's hear about that. I want to hear about that. I have to look it up. I lost it. Hang on a second. Okay. So It's probably there somewhere. Bear with me here. Exactly. Well, the, uh, closed it. definitely the blood and sand is something okay. that you guys are going to see when you're out and about. I've seen it on several menus, so give that thing a try when you're out. Okay, the Rob Roy. Sorry I didn't talk about this when we were making it. Um, the Rob Roy was the first cocktail we had with whiskey and vermouth, mm-hmm. and it was created in 1894 by a bartender at the Waldorf Astoria in Manhattan, New York, and the drink was named in honor of the premiere of Rob Roy, an operetta, that was loosely based on the Scottish folk hero, really? Rob Roy McGregor. Well, that's cool. There we are. So sorry I missed that when we were making the cocktail, but they, no, bo- they, both, both, they both have namesakes. Both so. these are really good, and it's a fun way to use uh, a, 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 a beverage that a lot of people don't use. You know, maybe me, most people are probably, maybe they're going to be into drinking scotch, you know, on the rocks or something, or straight up, or however they're going to do it. But if you want to make some interesting cocktails these two are a great place to start and i know there's some other ones that we were perusing before but these are two kind of classics that you're probably going to definitely see on menus while you're out and about i would i think i've seen this in basically every cocktail place we've gone to so uh, that's how you make them and so you can try and make them at home or at least you'll know what's in it next time you go out exactly i'm i'm uh i really like the blood and sand it's a good drink and like i say with the measurements that we did I find it's really, really well balanced, and nothing is really overwhelming any other quality in there. I mean, you're going to get the sweet from that cherry herring, mm-hmm. and the uh, you're going to get definitely the kind of little acid but yet sweet coming through from the uh, from the orange juice, mm-hmm. and then here's you know then there's that hit of the uh, of the scotch in there as well with that very distinct scotch plus a little bit of alcohol too, of course, yeah. the kind of the alcohol taste on your palate, a little dryness, and combining together where that sweets there. And the acid and that little bit of dryness, it's it's a good And the vermouth, it adds a little bit of a herbaceous spiciness mm-hmm. with the scotch. I know it's it's so good. It's um, it is a really easy drinker. I'm just right, say. and you can make and you can <laughs> make a them, pretty easy drinker. And you can make them real easy, like I say, with that the ratios of one 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 exactly. So, Shan, I I bet we have pictures of these and recipes. Um, give them that uh, give them that uh, uh, Instagram handle Certainly. so they can check it out yeah absolutely we took pictures of these drinks and many more and you can find those on instagram at amateur bartending for which is the number four immature uh just look us up on there uh, follow us and you will have a 
plethora of recipes available at your fingertips. Yep, and some pretty dang good looking pictures if I do say so Aww, myself. thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Shannon's taking all the pictures there and taking a lot of time to make them look really nice, and I think it's it's working out like gangbusters. I love it because I use it as my own recipe book. Um, I'm like, oh, I know we've made that before. I know, and I just flip through and I, I find the recipe that way. Right, now. we've done that recently where we just flip through and say, how did we make that last time? And there it was and everything was there and the measurements are there and the quantities and the exact thing we used and you're ready to go and it's great. Yeah, well, thank you so much and I hope that you'll look into uh, scotches and uh, cheers, Greg. Absolutely, cheers. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.